What's going on, guys? It's your girl. It's your host. It's your friendly neighborhood nutritionist, Corinne here. Welcome back to another episode of Booch Please Podcast. Today, I am in the house studio all by myself here in Toronto. It's a gorgeous day. God, I love this place so much. The city, just every time I walk by the lake and I see the skyline, I see the sunset reflected off of those condos with lots of mirrors, like the condos by the lake here in Toronto are just very reflective. They have very shiny surfaces. And every time I see that, I just feel so grateful because I know that this place is home to so many wonderful people. That being said, I am incredibly excited for a solo podcast episode today because this is my opportunity to kind of get deeper uh, into some stories that um, are very personal to me. Uh, And today's topic is something I've wanted to share at length for a very, very long time. Just I haven't had the courage to do it. It's something that I'm not gonna lie, it makes me a little freaking nervous because up until recently, I have still associated this particular aspect of my life and this part of my story with a lot of shame. Yeah, I still do, but I've been taking steps to work through it. I've been working with a hypnotist who I've had on this podcast. Um, and I've worked with mentors. Um, I've been working with a therapist on it and I've made a lot of progress. And with it being my birthday coming up, I wanted to kind of open up this part of my life so that I don't know, so that it feels less like a secret. Cause it's not a secret. It's something I talk about one-on-one with love clients, with my friends, but I haven't really gone out in public and kind of addressed it or shared it. Before we get to that, though, um, I want to give you a little bit of a weekly update just so you kind of can keep up with what's going on in my life. And since we're friends, since you're listening to this podcast, I want to keep you in the loop. So I'm recording this the week before my birthday, which is pretty much when this podcast comes out. I mean, this is coming out July 13th. My birthday's on July 14th. Aside from that, I am super busy with setting up this podcast. I've been editing like no tomorrow. (laughs) And I am not a video editor, guys. Um, So each podcast takes me quite a few hours to complete. But you know what? I don't I don't dislike the work. I actually quite enjoy it because I get to relive a lot of these wonderful conversations that I've had with my guests who a lot of them are my friends, my very, very good friends. Really no complaints there. I've also been working on my YouTube channel and adding to my one-on-one nutrition program. And it's in times like these when I reflect on what I get to do for work that I feel so fucking grateful because I know that not everyone out there likes their job and I know what it feels like to work at a job that feels soul sucking, that feels like, you know, you're pretending to be someone you're not, that you're, you're, I I guess, brings out the worst parts of you. Um, yeah, I get it. And I, as someone who's on the other side of that, I can tell you it gets better. It really just depends on the timing where you're at in your life and whether or not, you're ready to take the leap and figure what, out what it is you really are meant to do on this earth. So actually, this segues really nicely into what I'm talking about today, and that is my weight loss and weight gain story. So I want to talk about how I overcame my weight fluctuation struggles. As someone who isn't 
like I'm not, I don't think of myself as a conventional fitspo person on Instagram. I don't post before and after photos. I don't like to share too many photos of my body or just photos that are centered around my body or showing my body just because I know that that used to be very triggering for me when I was in a more vulnerable stage in my life. So I don't want to feed into that comparison narrative for other people. And part of it is also because I think I have a lot more to offer now as a human being, as a nutritionist than my body. So I'd rather share those aspects of my expertise and like share my intellect, share my personality um, over what I look like physically. It is a touchy subject that is painful for people to hear. And trust me, it's painful for me to talk about. And I know that if I share it, it's going to serve somebody out there to hear it. Uh, I do want to issue a trigger warning though, for anyone who may be struggling with body image right now, or just experiencing a really severe or active form of an eating disorder. I definitely, yeah, I definitely don't want to worsen your condition or make you feel worse about yourself in any way. The goal of me sharing this entire thing is to show you that number one, our relationship with food and our bodies can change. There is hope for you if you're feeling hopeless. Number two, I want you to know that our relationship with food and our bodies is not the problem. Okay. It is a symptom of something much more covert and much more insidious that resides in our subconscious and our consciousness. And we have to deal with a lot of these underlying beliefs and behaviors if we want to have any chance of undoing the standards of beauty and perfection that society has instilled into us as kids. What I don't want you to think after hearing my story is that your recovery journey needs to look like mine. I want you to walk away knowing that you have to take ownership of the way that you live your life and the way that you are going to navigate this life of yours, the story of yours. That means you have to figure out the whys, the who's, the what's, when, where's for yourself. If you just copy someone else's diet or if you just copy someone else's life, someone else's footsteps blindly, you are deferring responsibility to that person. And I've done that before where I've been like, oh, this person eats like this or this person talks like this. I'm going to copy that. I'm going to mimic that. And what you're doing when you copy someone else is, is that you are giving yourself a way out, right? You can easily blame them, basically defer responsibility to them instead of taking responsibility for yourself and actually making meaningful change. And when I say taking responsibility, I don't mean punishing yourself, okay? It doesn't mean that you have to verbally, emotionally, or physically abuse yourself. It just means doing the hard uncomfortable personal development work to forgive yourself, to learn and grow from situations and to detach your personal worth to the things that you've done. That's huge. Who you are, the person that you're being, isn't what you're doing or what you've done. So I want to start off my story by saying I come from a family of petite Asian women who are the epitome of that feminine, girly, conventionally beautiful um, trope that we kind of see in media. Like I look at my mom and I'm like, you are what people would consider to be a conventional Asian beauty. 
And growing up, I never felt like I fit into that. I wasn't a sporty tomboy, but I had a pretty boyish frame. And I still do. I have broad shoulders. I have small boobs. I have narrow hips. I have meaty quads. And I have a small butt. (laughs) And when it became apparent that womanly boobs and curvaceous hips weren't in the cards for me, like around puberty time, I thought at that time, the only way for me to look more feminine, I'm using air quotes, I thought the only way for me to look more feminine is to be thin. My mom is very thin and petite. She's always been complimented by other people. Uh, So I got it in my head that that is what I need to be in order to be considered pretty and feminine as well. After I hit puberty, I put on weight in what seemed like all the wrong places. You know, I never got the boobs and the butts that celebrities and people in magazines and models were kind of celebrated for because I wasn't any of those things. I didn't have any of those assets. <laughs> That's my little pun there. Um, I thought that the only way I could be pretty and feminine was to be thin and to attain that thinness, I would run. I hated gym class because I was just so embarrassed of being bad at sports and being uncomfortable in my body, but I would run by myself. Or I think I had a friend at the time that I would run on the treadmill with. And I became a vegetarian around that time. Of course, one part of that was for the environment and for ethical treatment of animals. But if I'm being really honest, a large part of it was also so I could lose weight. And it worked in the beginning, Um, I maybe lost a few pounds, but it would always rebound. As soon as I lost a little bit of weight, I would always put that weight back and maybe some more in addition to that. And that was because I didn't actually know how to be healthy. Um, Health was not my priority. My priority was to be a vegetarian. And those are two very different things. Nothing against vegetarianism. I have lots of friends and clients who are vegetarians. You can be healthy on a vegetarian diet, but I just wasn't doing any of the things to make myself healthy. I thought vegetarianism was a blanket term that automatically meant that I was eating healthier and eating less calories. But the reality was I ate way more pizza, bagels, ice cream, grilled cheeses because I thought, oh, they're vegetarian. So I had done enough. And I would count calories in a little notebook. Just calories, though. I didn't know shit about macros, like proteins, carbs, and fats back then. And I think I was aiming for something like 1,400 calories per day, which for a growing teenager is far from ideal. Not ideal at all, guys. And, and even now when I see some grown women, you know, just adult women come to me and they're like, oh, I've been eating 1,400 calories. I don't know why I can't lose weight it makes me want to pull my hair out because I'm like, this is not good for you. It's not what your body needs. Anyway, I struggled with this all throughout high school up until senior year. So I would go through these weight fluctuations of gaining weight, losing a little bit of weight, gaining some more weight, losing a little bit of weight. In my senior year, I discovered I had an intolerance for dairy, grains, and a lot of legumes. So I cut these things out. And as a result, that meant I ate a lot less processed foods. Because if you think about grains and dairy, you know, I wasn't eating like the fancy, good quality grass-fed dairy. It was like craft single slices. Those like disgusting plastic cheeses that I would never eat today. 
just because it would give me a huge stomach ache because I'm lactose intolerant. Um, and um, a lot of grains were things like bread, uh, pastas I ate a lot of. As a result, I ate way less processed foods. I started reading some paleo blogs and I was just really fascinated by all the things that I was doing wrong previously in my vegetarian endeavor. Um, so over the course of senior year, I lost 15 pounds and it was all pretty sustainable because I was cooking a lot at home. I was eating a lot of vegetables. I was eating fish and shellfish at the time. So it wasn't an unhealthy diet, but the problems kind of arose as I started to lose more weight. So my clothes were fitting better. I was getting more attention from boys. I got compliments on how I looked from friends and family. And even my mom at the time confirmed I looked better, which for me, for someone who's never gotten validation at that point for how I looked, especially from my parents, that was very, very shocking. All of these things just reinforced this long time belief that I had that being thinner equaled being prettier and more feminine. And therefore that meant I was automatically more lovable and worthy of praise. So it just kind of reinforced that deep seated belief. I began to really crave that validation and those compliments. Over the summer, I dropped another 10 pounds from exercising more, becoming even more strict with my nutrition, and I was counting my calories even more closely. And I came back from a family vacation in Greece that summer, and people raved about how tanned and toned I look, and I was ecstatic. Finally, I can be that pretty girl. Note, I didn't want to be that for myself. I wanted to be um, skinnier so that I could make my parents proud. I wanted to be liked and admired because I liked and admired pretty people myself. So <laughs> funny how that works. Then I went off to university. I didn't have a care in the world at the time. I was skinny and I was going to pre-med program at a very prestigious university. I was going to live in a dorm with my best friend at the time. What the fuck did I have to care about? Well, it turns out there were many warning signs I ignored along the way that came bubbling up in university. I was exercising for hours per day. I ate nothing but vegetables. My hair and nails were brittle. I was freezing all the time. My period was very irregular and I was incredibly irritable and tired. Did I ever stop to think, wow, Corinne, aside from being skinny, you kind of feel like shit. Is this normal? Nah, I didn't care. I was thin and that was all I needed. So in university, I was away from the watchful eyes of my parents and I decided this was my opportunity to be even more disciplined. I was very high achieving or I wanted to be high achieving and I wanted to prove that I am a good daughter. I didn't really party. I just studied a lot in that first year of university, when I wasn't studying, I was working out. When I wasn't working out, I was thinking about how I can study harder. And over time, I discovered that coffee suppresses appetite so I can put off eating to study more and work out more. I became isolated, self-righteous, and obsessive. Um, I don't really have an addictive personality, but I would consider myself an addict at that point in my life. I think I was addicted to validation and a sense of superiority. And it's worth noting that my behavior was incredibly difficult to live with. 
I had conflicts with my roommates and that made things really awkward in common areas in our home, like the kitchen. So I would hide out at the library and I would just avoid like eating or cooking or going to the kitchen as much as I could. And here's what was strange to me at the time. I got really good grades. I was getting thinner and thinner. And it occurred to me that something was wrong. Even though I was getting thinner, even though I was high achieving, I got straight A's. I think I got like 100% in a few of my my exams. (laughs) Despite all of these things, I wasn't prettier. I wasn't getting any prettier. I lost hair. My face sunk. My skin was dull and dry. My eyes lost their spark. And, And I certainly wasn't more lovable right? I was hard to be around. I was closed off. I was really stubborn and I was very protective over my reality. If anyone tried to challenge me or try to convince me that something might be off, I would be very defensive and be like, no, I just worked really hard. I'm just disciplined. What's wrong with that? Are you jealous? Like I would try to defend my reality. I think I would notice that that doesn't add up to this equation that I've believed for so long in my head that Prettier, thinner, good grades equals happy, lovable, better. Here I was getting all those things, yet I wasn't achieving the other, or it didn't equate to the other side of the equation. So that was confusing to me. I went to see doctors about my lack of period and chronic headaches. They sent me to get a DEXA scan to check my bone density. And the results were just... I was floored. I was emaciated and I had 7% body fat. My bones were very brittle. Imagine me right now, 50 pounds lighter. It was fucked. So you'd think that would be rock bottom for me. Nope. I was hell bent on being the best. So despite knowing I was clearly unwell, I spiraled deeper. I studied harder. I ate even less. Mentally and emotionally, I was freaking numb. A few troubling things happened that were pretty dangerous. Uh, and I don't want to go through them now because I, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. Uh, when I went home that year for Christmas, my parents, as soon as they saw me, they basically just sobbed. Um, my dad hugged me, which he's never done in his life. And that was when I knew that I wasn't okay. It kind of took seeing the people around me and their reaction to me to realize that I was really broken and I was, I was in a really big hole. A lot of my memories of that time is limited and blurred. Uh, I think it was a combination of the trauma and the malnutrition at the time and everything that ensued was kind of a blur. I was diagnosed with major depression because I had to go to my family doctor. My parents were like, you have to see a doctor. You just have to see someone. Uh, I was diagnosed with depression. I went on antidepressants and I very promptly started going to therapy. I was transferred out of school and my program, both of which I was so proud of at the time. So to have all of that kind of taken away from my identity or my sense of identity, it was embarrassing. I wanted to crawl into a fucking hole. Um, Dropping out of school after one year 
that to me was like the ultimate failure at that time. It was terrible. Despite my shame, I was committed to recovery at that time. And I was committed so that I could become independent again. That was kind of my prize at the end of it all. So if I'm honest with myself, I really wasn't trying to get better to get rid of the eating disorder. I was trying to get better so that I could regain my independence because at this point, my parents didn't trust me to live on my own. Uh, I kept going to therapy. I learned to eat again, but it's worth noting that Yeah, I just wasn't trying to get better for myself. I was trying to do it so my parents weren't so burdened with my illness and with my condition. I followed the paleo diet and I avoided grains, dairy, legumes, and I started to eat red meat again at that time. And the paleo diet was good because it was very nutrient dense and unprocessed and whole foods based. However, it's still a diet. There are parameters set by people that didn't know me there were arbitrary rules. Um, even though there's a lot of scientific merit to it, the idea of abiding by rules at that time didn't serve me. And I only can realize that now looking back in hindsight, right? So I was kind of, again, hiding behind this quote unquote, very healthy diet, even though I had unhealthy intentions. I wasn't being intuitive or intentional with my nutrition, I was delegating that those decisions around food to this diet. It's like if this diet said this food isn't included as part of the diet, then I wouldn't eat it. And I wouldn't question why or what this meant for me or what this did for me in the long run for my emotional, psychological, physical well-being. I just did it because someone told me to. Around this time, um, I started to put on weight pretty steadily. My energy was coming back. My hair was slowly growing. My face was filling up. So these were all good signs that, you know, I was becoming healthier on the outside. But on the inside, I think I was still struggling. Uh, And two major life things kind of were happening at this time. Number one, I started studying dietetics at a really awesome program at Ryerson University. I love that program. Uh, it's an accredited dietitian's program. And I, I loved understanding the human body and its needs. I just I found anatomy and physiology so interesting. The program is very research and science driven. And I'm forever grateful for that foundation and that background because science is fucking dope. Right now, I am so lucky that I get to marry my love of science with elements of functional medicine and holistic nutrition, even though the latter two are kind of less researched formally, but they have really strong anecdotal uh, evidence. So I, I'm really, really glad that I get to incorporate all these different aspects of nutrition um, under one umbrella for me in my practice. The second thing that really changed my life at that time was I started doing CrossFit. I joined a CrossFit gym. Um, and I had one of my friends that I started CrossFit with at this time on my podcast. His name's Manny. His episode is up. Go take a listen. Um, being at this gym was a blessing because I was surrounded by people who prioritized performance over aesthetics. And I needed that influence in my life at that time. It's not that they didn't care about the way that they looked. It just wasn't the number one priority. It wasn't as important as how well they moved um, and what they could do with that body. And that was intoxicating to me because I had never 
even consider that as a possibility or that being possible for someone like me. Uh, as I did more CrossFit and started to be more competitive, I put on more weight. I was putting on muscle at this time, and that was a very foreign experience to me because I had been a big nerd up until this point in my life. I hated gym class. I wasn't good at any sports. I would work out on my own, um, but I didn't know how to push myself. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. As time went on in CrossFit, I was struggling again with this theme of wanting to feel feminine as I put on more muscle. In the beginning, it was cool. It's like, oh, I have definition in my quads and my biceps. But over time, as I put on more muscle mass, I was struggling with this idea of being womanly, being feminine again, that like, you know, that very deeply rooted belief in me was resurrecting. It was coming forth again. And I would tell myself things like strong is beautiful. Look at all these examples of beautiful women that you admire, that you find gorgeous. But when it came to looking at my own body, even though it didn't look that different from the people that I was working out with or that I really admired, I, for some reason, just couldn't accept my athletic frame. I didn't have the sports model, like itty bitty waist, the washboard abs and the like giant booty, the pop and glutes. My boyish frame to me just looked more and more boyish. Keep in mind during this time, my disordered eating hasn't really gone away completely. Even though I went to therapy, even though I've become independent now, I'm eating a lot more foods than before. Um, I think that there were elements of that disordered eating pattern that was still there. It just evolved. I was functional. It was easier to hide. I looked healthy enough on the outside. So everyone, including me, didn't notice it. Uh, the next thing I tried in my CrossFit journey uh, was I started to count macros. I measured and I weighed everything I put into my body. I, lay, I ate very low fat high carb, high protein. And that really worked for me at the time because I was training for maybe two to three hours a day, like six to seven times a week. And I lived and breathed CrossFit. I just wanted to work out all the time and do active things all the time. Uh, and I was also competing. I needed to stay within a weight class and be competitive in Olympic weightlifting. So I started counting my macros. I lost weight. I leaned out and I started to like my body. However, again, you know, as the compliments and validation came, came in, I was affirmed again, that smaller is more likable, that leaner, tighter, more toned is more lovable. So you guessed it. I wanted to push my limits. I wanted to get even leaner. I was focused on working out hard to do cool shit like muscle ups, handstand pushups. And that to me was noble. And it was honorable. It wasn't like as selfish as my weight loss kind of um, motives before. This time though, I didn't continue to whittle away like I did before. I like never got back to that, you know, very dangerously low weight because my body was so broken from the previous experience. My metabolism, my hormones, everything was so sensitive. It was off and it was just... Like, nah, -uh. we've been there before. We are not losing any more weight past this point. We're going to make you eat. And your body is very smart. 
it can make you hungry. It can make you obsessive over food until you decide to fucking eat. The more I restricted my macros and intake, the more imbalanced my hormones were, the more I craved and thought about food. And that would eventually lead to massive cheat days, which were justified in my head. It's like, oh, I've been good all week. I'm just going to have a cheat day. So I would eat pizza, chips, tacos, anything and everything I can get my hands on. And this would make me feel so sick. My digestion was just incredibly aggravated. I would get things like eczema, cramps, just so many signs that this is terrible for my body and my mind. But again, my need to be liked and considered worthy outweighed my rational mind. Remember, I was studying nutrition at this time. So when I realized that this was actually a really toxic pattern, I was so ashamed. I was like, Corinne, you fucking know better. You spent so much money on tuition and yet you're doing these things to yourself. You're responsible for all this shit that you keep putting yourself through. That's so embarrassing. You're so weak. You're a hypocrite. And I was just, I was ashamed. Well, did this shameful and punishing mentality make me want to do better? No, it didn't. So it's interesting because we think fear and threats and negativity are good motivators. And I talk about this in my episode with Chris 10, but none of these things are because I learned this lesson for myself as a nutritionist. I would never judge my clients in the way that I judge myself. I know that that's not productive. No matter what happens, it is not helpful to pour salts on a wound. It's not helpful to convince someone they are unworthy or fundamentally inferior to others. It doesn't make them want to do better. And so in my practice now, when I work with clients who are stuck in this mentality, I feel like I know exactly what they're going through and I know what to do. And that is to change the fucking channel. Um, And truly going to therapy and talking to someone really helped me walk through that. But that didn't come until much later. Back into the timeline at this time in my life, Um, It really didn't help that I also had social media as kind of a point of comparison. Um, It conjured a lot of envy, self-deprecation, and all of these terrible, awful emotions and feelings and thoughts are experienced by people that haven't done the work to disband those beliefs that trigger these things in us. It happens to people that are vulnerable to these patterns reoccurring because, again, we haven't broken the cycle. We haven't done the work to do that. And I certainly at the time wasn't doing as much work as I needed to be to be that self-assuring, self-secure, self-loving, self-aware version of Corinne that I needed to be, right? So I struggled with this cycle of behavior for years. Even after I graduated from university and entered the workforce, I was slowly just kind of falling into worse and worse patterns. I had to work more, so I had less time to train. Um, I kept up with these like cycles of restrict and binge, restrict and binge. I would follow a diet, I would count my macros, and then I would have cheat days. That not necessarily undid the work of me counting macros, but it was so like detrimental to me because these days would impact the next day. And then that would impact the next day of how I felt and the foods that I chose. So it created a ripple effect that affected me more than I knew at the time. 
So in combination with, you know, working more, working out less and still keeping up with the binge and restrict cycles, I gained weight again, I gained weight. I felt trapped and I felt disempowered. I tried so many different things on my own. None of it led to long-term change. And the same mindset and beliefs that limited me in my relationship with food and body also held me back in other areas of my life. This is incredibly important because it goes back to what I said in the beginning, you know, your relationship with food and your body is a symptom. The root cause is something else and it can manifest itself in so many different aspects of your life. This shame and this constant lack of confidence barred me from saying yes to opportunities from wearing clothes that I thought were cute, from putting myself out there, from advocating for myself. Um, I wanted so much to help other people. At the time, like I wanted to be a good nutritionist, but I wasn't asking for help myself. And that was very hypocritical of me. I took a lot of failures. I couldn't even count, guys. So many failures, so many nights of like crying and feeling terrible in my body of looking in the mirror and just hating what I saw. It took so much of that for me to finally realize like, I can't do this on my own. I just can't. I've tried everything. I've exhausted it all. What more do I have to lose? You know, um, in the beginning, I would say like, oh, why would I ask someone else to do what I could do on myself for myself? Um, I'm not going to pay money for someone else to do what I could do. And that mindset was so detrimental to me. It just prevented me from making progress that I could have made long, long ago. So after this realization, I, I don't have any more to lose. You know, um, I can't keep going on this way. I will not tolerate my life going down this path anymore. I hired coaches I hired nutritionists, I hired therapists because I realized that I needed help. This time around when I was seeking out all of this, all of these services, it was for me. It wasn't to make my parents less burdened. It wasn't to make them proud. It wasn't to be independent. It was so that I could live my fucking life. All right. And this changed everything. This was the start of the life that I live now. I surrendered to growth. It was ugly. It was messy. It was painful and things got worse before they got better. And even now things aren't improving or moving or progressing in a linear fashion. The binges became less severe and less frequent and the body hate and self-loathing that I felt was slowly being replaced by self-love and gratitude. I didn't go straight from self-loathing to self-love. It took a long time for me to get to self-acceptance first, right? Just accepting my body. I didn't like it, but I also didn't hate it. That I stayed there for a very, very long time. And this whole self-love concept is, it only happened in the last few years. Um, so be patient with yourself if you're on a similar journey. This time, I like genuinely wanted to learn and absorb and research for myself. Okay, huge distinction here. That's like the difference between success and failure right there is who the fuck are you doing this for and why you're doing this? I can't emphasize it enough. So as this learning happened, I stopped starving myself. 
I just refused to do it. I told myself, you will never fucking go hungry again. You're never going to make up for overeating. Even if you go through binges or even if you eat something that brings you shame, you're not allowed to starve yourself. We just don't do that anymore. So I stopped depriving and I didn't do things that confirmed in me that belief that smaller is better. Anytime I would do anything, I would think about, is this feeding that belief in me? If it does, then I don't fucking do it. So because of all this progress, I was able to do things that would have been impossible for me just a few years ago, like traveling without a scale to weigh and measure my food. Are you crazy? I would have been so anxious. I would have bought a scale wherever I went in order to track my intake. I also found that I was able to do fun things like bake cookies and not eat the entire batch in one sitting and then hate myself after. That if you told me I could do that a few years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. And I'm also able to leave food on my plate when I'm full and just pack it away for later. I'm not saying throw it out. Don't be, don't waste food. But I'm also not in a place where I need to stuff myself. For some people, that's like a very obedient thing is you probably grew up with parents that made a point that you need to finish your plate. You need to clear your plate. It's not parents. If you're listening to this, it's not always healthy. I'm not a parent, so I can't tell you what to do, but I'm just saying as someone who was very traumatized by that, um, that approach, think twice before you do something like that. Reconsider. Once I started doing all of these things, uh, the weight just naturally started to come off. It, it was almost like a metaphor for all the baggage and all the burdens I had been carrying. It wasn't drastic. It wasn't dramatic. I don't have abs now. I don't look like the girls in magazines or fitspos on Instagram, but I feel so healthy and I feel so abundant. Like I'm just full of life, not full of food, like the way that I was before in, in, in terms of being stuffed, but I just feel full of life. And I really feel like so much anxiety or the level of anxiety and confusion that I did around food. I think, you know, educating myself constantly, doing research, all of that has helped alleviate that anxiety as well. But also a big chunk of that just came from working on my relationship with food. Nowadays, I feel like food is fuel for me, which I know is a cliche or it's a very overused term in diet culture, but truly it primarily is fuel for me. Don't get me wrong. You know, I fucking love food. If you follow me on Instagram, you know, I love the shit out of food, but I now identify that there's a difference between loving food and needing food for comfort right? There's a huge distinction for that. So if you're at home and you're listening to this and you're starting to resonate with some of the things that I've said, I want to ask you this. Do you love food or do you need it for comfort? Do you need it for escape? Do you need it for security? Do you need it for control? So listen to this, this sort of need for control, this lack of confidence, this mentality of scarcity, this fixed mindset manifests itself in so many different ways. And it does that in women, men, queers, older, younger, middle-aged, accomplished students, athletes, beginners, 
whoever the fuck you are, it shows up in some way. And the reason why I said I love my job so much at the beginning of this podcast is now I get to help mindful athletes and mindful humans avoid the same mistakes that I made in nutrition. So it makes me feel like there's a part of the story that has purpose to it. There's a reason why I had to go through all that pain to learn for myself because I teach people to practice habits and skills that I didn't have at the time that I wish someone could have given me so that would save me so much repetitive heartache. You know, your journeys to heal yourself and to fix these issues doesn't start with self-love. You don't wake up one day and just be like, oh, I love myself. Therefore, I'm going to go do work. That will never happen if you're waiting for that to, to come. It starts with discipline and consistency, which over time develops trust. You know, you have to trust yourself and love for yourself is only possible when you have trust. It's kind of like any other relationship. If you're constantly breaking promises to yourself, if you're constantly breaking trust with yourself, then you can't ever, ever love yourself. And all of this sense of freedom, the sense of liberty, this happiness and this joy and this purpose can't come to you. If you guys are interested, I could talk about some of the habits and strategies for developing nutritional trust with yourself in another episode. Just make sure you comment or DM me at Booch Please Podcast on IG or email me. I'll have my email down in the description below if you want to learn more about that, those things. Just because these are things that I still use really frequently in my nutrition practice, whether someone has a very um, overt or obvious disordered eating pattern or not. I think everyone can benefit from you know, the strategies for consistency and discipline. Everyone. Well, here we are. We're nearing the end of the podcast. I want to let you know that I'm at a point where I never thought it was possible. I just feel really proud of myself. I'm not nearly done learning or working on myself. And that's not discouraging to me anymore. It's actually a gift to be able to work on ourselves. And there's a quote that I love that goes, if you're not growing, you're dying. And that's true. If we stay the same, then we're just withering away. So remember, if you're at home and you're struggling with any of the things that I talked about in one way or another, it doesn't even have to do with food. Just remember, your relationship with food and your body can change. And also, your relationship with food and your body, or whatever it is, the thing that you're struggling with, they're just symptoms of your sense of self and how you view yourself. So those things aren't necessarily the root cause, okay? You know, you have to try to address the things in those areas of your life with food and nutrition or whatever it is, but you also have to make sure you're taking care of those underlying root causes so it doesn't come back. It doesn't rear its ugly head in some other way in your life. And I'm not gonna lie, this podcast episode took a very long time for me to write and record because it was so painful. I would have to stop and I would have to leave it and then come back to it. And I don't believe in, you know, airing dirty laundry or anything like that in order to heal. And that's why I'm sharing it now is because I feel like I'm healed. And I can, I can talk about this with perspective um, rather than from a place of like woundedness or rawness. So I would really appreciate it if you could subscribe, like, and review this podcast. 
in the meantime, you could follow me personally on Instagram at kombucha.mami. That's K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A dot M-A-M-I. Or you can follow this podcast at Booch Please Podcast. B-O-O-C-H-P-L-E-A-S-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. <laughs> and subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to the podcast. I would love to have you back. All right, you guys. That's it for me today. I'll catch you in the next episode. I hope you're having a really wonderful day wherever you are. And just remember, you're so worthy, you're so lovable, but you have to believe it for yourself before you expect anyone else to believe it. <laughs>